Welcome to Library Life, the podcast where we talk about all things library. And some things not. My name is Jenna. And my name is Shana. And today we're taking a journey into the nonfiction stacks. On this episode of the podcast, we're going to be talking about how to go from reading all fiction into reading nonfiction. And how to dip your toe in the water. Yes. And also, we're going to spend a little bit of time discussing um, some of the stereotypes, misconceptions. Yeah. About the divide the, between yes. the fiction and nonfiction readers, uh, because we have noticed that there is tends to be an exclusivity mm-hmm. in what people like to read. So we're going to talk about that, and then after the reading break, I'm going to guide Shayna into a foray in nonfiction books. So it'll be like a little mini reader's advisory session. The first thing that we're going to start with is a very basic definition. Yeah, so fiction is any story that is not true, that has a, would you say a narrative or... Yeah. Yeah. Anything made up, basically. Yeah. Like novels, you know, fiction. (laughs) (laughs) And nonfiction is anything that is truth. And you can get super philosophical on what is truth, which we may do later in the episode. But for the basic definition, for those of you who aren't sure, fictions are the novels and nonfiction are not novels. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually how I describe people. Books about real things. Yes. Before we get spend too much time on definitions, let's get into the discussion. So I thought it would be best if we start off by talking about our backgrounds mm-hmm. with the genre. It does seem to be a bit polarizing. It's, yeah, I would agree with that. It's not uncommon to talk to someone who, as a rule, doesn't read nonfiction. Mm-hmm. Or as a rule... Well, reads only nonfiction. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you... The divide is pretty pretty standard, I would say. Yeah, I would agree. There are people who foray into both, but most often I hear, oh, I don't read fiction. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, I, I don't read nonfiction. Yes. So, in the episode, we want to break down some of that and uh, give people a few ways into the genre. Mm-hmm. We believe that you should be able to read whatever you so desire, and sometimes I think that there's this kind of, not stigma, but, like, misconception about nonfiction books in general. And I feel like a fear, almost, about Mm -hmm. getting into them. Like that they're too difficult, or... Yeah, they won't be enjoyable, or that they're, like, too scholarly, or... Mm -hmm. Now, are you speaking from personal experience? Yeah, I don't typically read nonfiction books. It's not something that I gravitate towards. Um, I think because I have it in my head that nonfiction is for studying, it's for uh-huh. like learning, and when I read, I typically want to read for the for pure enjoyment or for escapism versus I don't want to pick up a heavy, dense book that I'm going to have to like slog through to get oh. any information. Right. I think it's interesting because like when you're kids you don't read nonfiction. Like, there isn't really nonfiction. I'm not saying, I shouldn't say there Mm. isn't, but you don't see a lot of nonfiction for kids that isn't like, I gotta get this book out on trains because I'm doing a project. You see, this is where I'm gonna disagree a little bit with because I do have, I do work in the children's department, so I do have more knowledge about it. And I was talking to one of my coworkers who has um, three sons, and she said that her oldest son um, it took him a while to get into reading fiction and to actually enjoy reading, and he would only read nonfiction. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I feel like sometimes if kids are struggling with reading or 
an enjoyment of reading, they'd rather read a book, a nonfiction than a book. But I feel like kids nonfiction and adult nonfiction is it's very different. different. Yeah. I guess I can only speak then from my own experience yeah. that I didn't read nonfiction as a kid and I no, know I you didn't either. either. No, no, no. And I think we read lots of novels, so I think that's how we read as adults too. Yes. As teenagers and then as adults. Mm-hmm. Is that we both read a lot of novels. I forayed into nonfiction. Uh, I'm trying to think when at all. Like, I guess as a teenager. Yeah, I think I'd say high school for you. Yeah. I, like, my personality is that I love knowledge and I mm-hmm. love learning and all that stuff. And I just want to, like, say this early in the podcast that we're not saying fiction doesn't have a lot to offer because it does. Oh, yes. And you can learn a lot from fiction. But for the sake of the episode, just we're talking about nonfiction today. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, nonfiction, like I, le- I wanted to learn stuff. I think mm-hmm. also there was a certain like, ooh, this is gonna make me look smart, yes. and <laughs> uh, like the stereotypes that you were talking about earlier. Yeah, I got into reading it then, and then I did when I was in university. I did a directed study in creative nonfiction, which we are gonna talk about in part two of this episode. Yes. Or, part two after the reading break it's kind of like part two but not a whole other episode so we're gonna talk about that later in the episode i learned a lot there and it shaped a little bit of my reading habits Mm -hmm. moving forward so that's kind of our background with it so i do read nonfiction. uh at one point i was reading like probably every other like fiction yeah i remember you were i remember you talking about how it was almost like a yeah look at me i read (laughs) fiction and now i'm reading a non-fiction book and i always go back and forth forth. (laughs) yeah that was like a pretentious thing (laughs) and i think i did it for a little while now i just read as i feel like yeah like i feel whatever i feel like sometimes i go through nonfiction phases sometimes i don't i find i listen to a lot of nonfiction audiobooks oh that's interesting i've never listened to a nonfiction audiobook in a similar vein if you enjoy listening to podcasts where you're like i want to learn something and i want to be edified and all that stuff I think that's kind of the same idea with nonfiction audiobooks. Mm-hmm. So I'm the nonfiction reader, which is why I'm going to be quote unquote guiding yes. Shana later in the episode. <laughs> yeah, I don't typically read nonfiction, and the nonfiction I do read is like interior design books and like maybe <laughs> coffee I'll table books. A, yeah, maybe I'll flip through a cookbook, and I've read a couple of like memoirs, but I don't seek out nonfiction. Yeah, books. So what do you think though the barrier is for you? Um. Like, cause you like, is it that you think that it's gonna be boring? I think so, and I think because I'm like a like a fairly, I'm a very fast reader. Like, I can consume a lot of books uh-huh. like very quickly, and I can't do that with nonfiction. So I think it just kind of throws me off a little bit. I don't know. I feel like also when I am reading, I'm reading for pleasure and for escapism, escapism and I feel like I can't necessarily find that in nonfiction books. Yeah. Whether that's true or not, that's just my opinion. Yeah. I think that's super interesting that you talk about the speed, because I hadn't even thought of that. Because I would say I'm a slow reader. Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't have any problem. I have no shame being Oh, yeah, a slow there's reader. no, like... <laughs> but I know I am. Like, I don't read... Like, I'll see Shana being like, flip, 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 and I'm like, flip. <laughs> so, like, we don't read at the same no. pace. So, I guess for me, I don't really have to adjust my reading routine, I guess. Yeah. Like, subconscious routine when I'm reading nonfiction, it does put you in different headspace depending on what it is Mm -hmm. 
if you're reading a book that's published by university press that is meant for scholarly research, like a presentation of fa- mm-hmm. facts only, of course that's different than if you're reading a novel. But I think the misconception is that people think it's either novels or scholarly books. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of like what my perception of nonfiction has been for years. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of other stuff in between that. Mm -hmm. Like, because that's the two kind of polarized ends, right? So there's a lot of different types of nonfiction in there that can be very enjoyable to people who aren't interested in like the super knowledge facts type of a read. There's nothing wrong with that scholarly Mm -hmm. type of book because of course we need those to convey knowledge but I think there's a lot of other artistic and personal things that people can glean from nonfiction that they miss out on because they're just like oh it's all gonna be like books I had to read to write a paper. Hmm. I never want to make someone read something they don't want to read. Oh yeah no no no. The point of this type of episode and like the exercise we're gonna do after the reading break is that there's books that I think people would enjoy that they're not giving a chance because Mm. they're stuck on the label of nonfiction. Yeah. Or maybe you're at the library and you're, like, intimidated by the sheer, like, mass of nonfiction books that you have to, like, get through to find that one you might enjoy. So I feel that's where the value of, like, a reference librarian or a reader's advisory librarian. Mm Mm-hmm. They can kind of guide your way. Yep. Well, I think it's the reason, too, why a lot of people come in and say, oh, where's your biography Mm -hmm, section? mm Mm-hmm. Because that's small and that's easy to obtain. And you have to explain, like, oh, well, you know, they're interfiled, but look for the sticker and, like, all that kind of stuff. I just think that there's something to be had there. So it's worth venturing out of fiction into nonfiction, even just to try it out. Mm. Because you don't know if you don't like it until until you've tried, like you said, until you've tried it. Yeah. Or until you've tried, like, a bit of a spectrum Mm -hmm. as well. Because there's a lot going on over in the nonfiction stacks that might be fresh and new and enjoyable to you. Okay, so it's a little bit early in the episode to be going to reading break, but I'm really excited to get into the section where we talk about Mm -hmm. all the different books uh, and the different types of genres within nonfiction books. Reading break! This week on reading break... (laughs) Sorry, I started out like I start the podcast. (laughs) This week... I am reading the new Louise Penny book. <laughs> woo, 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 woo. If you've been a longtime <laughs> listener of the podcast, you know about my ongoing love affair with Louise Penny. Mm-hmm. I will say not all her books are created equal. However, Ooh. I like that's just the way it is. You can't yeah. write like well, you can't many, write that many books. And... How many does she even have? 12, 13? I don't, I don't know. know. You're the one that's reading them. I don't know. She's got a lot. <laughs> You can't write them all being good. And she writes them, like, one in a year, so. Yeah. They're not all going to be perfect. But anyways, I'm on to the newest one, which just came out, I believe, a couple weeks ago? Yeah. Like, very, very very recently. Uh, It's called A Better Man, and it returns to Inspector Gamache and all my favorite people. (laughs) And I'm not very far into it yet. I picked up a fast read. Oh, yes. So, So fast. So you've got to read that quickly, eh? Yeah. Fast read you only get for a week. Because my issue... Is it two weeks? No, it's only a week at our, oh. my library. The issue is I didn't get on the holds list. I should have... Fast enough. <laughs> yeah, I should have put out my name on hold, like, right as soon as it got ordered. But I didn't get on fast enough, so I happened to see the fast read out there. And I went ahead and grabbed it. And then uh, I'm kind of hoping that if I don't finish it, there's another fast read of the same book <laughs> that I'll just pick up when I return <laughs> this one. Because you can't renew them or anything. Yeah. 
so I like think after we're done recording this I need to go in and read a bit because I've had it since Friday had it for a few days now and I'm not that far into it <laughs> and you're gonna make a schedule to see this is how many chapters I need to I really don't want to do that because that brings me back to like the dark days of my degree <laughs> and I want to enjoy it so I was like, oh, maybe I'll buy it. But like, hard new hardcovers are thirty six dollars. Like, what? that's how much this one was. Can that's so like, expensive. I know. Like, I thought they were like twenty twenty five yeah. because I hadn't bought one in a while. No, they're like forty bucks for an adult hardcover. Wow. So hashtag support your local library. Mm-hmm. Anyways, what are you up to? Well, I just finished reading a book by another Canadian author, Kelly Armstrong. Oh yeah. So I have loved Kelly Armstrong for years now and I enjoy most of her stuff so I had purchased this book a secondhand store Omens it's the first book in the Welcome to Canesville series mm-hmm. and so it's been on our shelves probably for like a year or two maybe more okay and I just saw something about the series online and I was like oh I should actually read that book so I pulled it off the shelf yesterday the day before and I like flew through it oh and I loved it so the whole premise is the main character, her name is Olivia Taylor-Jones, and um, the book opens where she is the daughter of her father owns this like huge like ship store chain. So they're very rich, and her mother um, basically just does fundraisers. And oh, they're okay. Like, they're like upper class. Classic like, rich lady things. Yes, classic rich lady things. So then and she's about to get married, and her fiancé is like the CEO of a tech company. And then you find out in the first chapter that she finds out that she was adopted, and she's the daughter of two serial killers. Oh. Um, yeah, so then the whole book is about her going on this journey to find out who her real parents are, um, did they actually commit the crimes... And then also there's a little bit of a, it could be Kelly Armstrong without a little bit of a supernatural Yeah, I was going to say, where's the supernatural part? So, like, all throughout the book, she keeps saying these little, like, superstitious, like, sayings. Like, Mm -hmm. pick up a penny, good luck for the day. Kind of, like, all these things. And you kind of think, oh, she's a little bit quirky and she's kind of superstitious. But you actually find out that it's kind of, like, her, not superpower, but she kind of has this ability to Is she, like, a witch? Kind of. Like, I, I feel like it's more, like, I after the first book, you don't totally find out what it is, but I feel like it's more along the lines of, like, the fae and, like, oh, okay. different, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, things. Yeah. So she, like, reads omens. So, like... Oh, that's why it's called omens? Yeah, that's why it's called omens. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's just interesting how she, like, basically leaves her life, moves to this, like, small town outside of Chicago called Canesville. Okay. And the citizens there are interesting they seem to have this like there's something more to them there's all especially like the senior citizens in the town is it like haven yeah a little bit yeah 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 yeah. it's a kind of along that veins um and then you kind of don't know who are these characters like the fae or are they like Mm -hmm. normal so then she obviously it wants to set out to get to know her birth parents so that's where you kind of meet the um, love interest. Of course. Oh, yes. <laughs> and he is her mom's lawyer. I thought you were going to say he's her mom's son or something. And I'm like, <laughs> I didn't think those books went that way, but okay. No, 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 no. It's not some weird incest. <laughs> it's not Game of Thrones. No, it's not Game of Thrones. And it's just kind of like he kind of has a past with Canesville as well. And it kind of like revolves around like her journey on discovering who she actually is. Oh, classic. Are these YA books? Are they adults? Oh, no, no, no. These are adults. Okay. You know what? This is not a shot at Kelly Armstrong. This is just like a side note because she's Canadian. 
why is the book set in Chicago area? Like, come on. Like, all of her books, besides the, um, the other one series I really love, The City of the Lost, mm-hmm. are set in the States. I just, like, don't get that. I'm like, set books in Canada. Like, we're not that different. Like, come yeah. on. Have some Canadian pride. Yeah. I like Kelly Armstrong, though. I saw her speak once. Never read any of her books, but her speak really enjoyed her. Thought she seemed like a good person. Mm-hmm. So, that's just, like, my little rant. Yeah. I don't know. Not, it's not a shot at Kelly Armstrong. <laughs> but, yeah, so I am now reading the second book, and there's, like, seven books in this series, so I'm, like, good to go for the next Is it all, like, she's one. written the whole series? I don't know if she's finished the series, but I was on Libby looking oh, to okay. see what the next ones were, and there were seven of like on Libby, so I don't know if she's completed the series or if she's. That's still quite a bit, like yeah, quite a bit ahead. Yeah, I love when you're like reading a series after the fact because yeah, it's too. like oh, you're already out, you don't have to wait. Yeah, or you have like enough books to like last you through. Because that's like the thing with the Louise Penny book that I'm reading right now. Someone at work when I was checking it out, she was like, "Oh, I love this series too," and I'm like, "Oh, I know, it's so great." And she's like, oh, the last book was my favorite. And I'm like, what even happened in the last book? Like, <laughs> I didn't even read it a year ago. I read it less than a year ago. And I'm like, what happened in that book? And then I kind of like coming back to me. But then I got to go on- online and read the synopsis. So that's nice when you can just be like, boom, 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 read them all. Now for the fun part of the episode. Not that the first part wasn't fun, but... <laughs> This is the part where I present Shayna with some yes. nonfiction reads that I think are good steps into okay. the nonfiction world. I'm ready to learn about some new books. <laughs> <laughs> so these are, I kind of chose these with the idea that these are good entryways into different genres Okay. in nonfiction that aren't your hard, solid facts. Like, right. here's everything about ancient Egyptian tombs. Like, not... <laughs> that was weirdly specific. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as I was saying it, I was like trying to think about because I'm like, you couldn't fit everything about ancient Egypt in one book, so I had to make it more specific. <laughs> you picked tombs, not like pharaohs. Or well, something. there were a lot of tombs. Did you never type ancient uh, history? I did. Okay. Yes. Anyways. Anyways. So I tried to pick some books that were that were entryways into different subgenres of nonfiction because we often talk about genres in fiction, but we do not often talk about genres yes. in nonfiction. I didn't know that there was that many genres. <laughs> well, prepare for an education. And okay. by education, I mean like crash course that I kind of know. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like the easiest way to get into nonfiction that I always tell people is start with memoir because okay. it reads like a novel. I have read a couple of memoirs. Yes, so. and you had said that, so I thought, oh good, you've <laughs> made that first little baby step into yes. the nonfiction genre. Memoirs are often like novels because they tell a narrative usually Mm -hmm. and the difference between a memoir and a biography this comes up quite often a biography is consecutive events in someone's life and a memoir is more thematic that's how i often explain it to people so like the memoir is going to focus around a certain theme okay and usually it's consecutive as well but it's not always um whereas a biography is like he was born on this day he grew up like this and then like Went to school, got married. Facts, got... facts, facts. Right. Whereas a memoir is more like, this is my journey with whatever. Like, this is my journey buying a farm and, like, how I learned to get in touch with nature. Okay. Like, that's more thematic mm-hmm. versus, like, I was born this day and then my parents did this. Like, so that's yeah. the difference. And memoir is a good way to get into it because biography falls more into that hard, cold, hard facts type of nonfiction that people right. get bored with. So the memoir that I chose... To present to Shana 
is a book called Dinner with Edward. It's by Isabel Vincent. And I read this book a while ago, I think in 2016. I think that's what my Goodreads says. Okay. And the funny thing about this book is I got it as an ARC, so an advanced reader's copy. Mm-hmm. Um, for people who don't know, those are books that publishers, publishers send yeah. out for reviewers and to libraries to get kind of buzz going for an author's mm-hmm. book. And they're like uncorrected proofs, so there might yeah. still be errors in it. And you can't sell them or resell them or anything like that. Right. So I still have it because I can't get rid of it. <laughs> I did enjoy it, though. And the funny thing with this, though, the reason why I mentioned that I got it as an ARC is because I didn't get it from the library, so I didn't actually know if it was fiction or nonfiction when I started reading it. Oh. And I actually started, like, maybe I'm just being, I was being thick, but I remember thinking it was a novel because I guess I wasn't really paying attention. Yeah. And then, because um, the subline of it is a story of an unexpected friendship. Well, that doesn't necessarily yeah, mean... Yeah, that kind of sounds like it would be a novel. That could be either or. I started reading it, and I felt like, this is not... Like, it's it's too much telling. Mm. Like, there's too much... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a narrative where they're, like, presenting me different scenes. Right. So I'm like... I went online and was like, oh, this is nonfiction. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I chose it, though, because it's one of those books that is very... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Delude isn't the right word. It can trick you into thinking it's a novel. Okay. Basically, it's about Isabel. I believe she is divorced, or she's at some sort of crossroads in her life where she's trying to like find herself again. And she meets Edward, who's an old man whose wife has died. Okay. And they start having dinner together. He starts making her dinner, and through their dinners, they kind of grow, have a relationship. Ah. And it sounds very like Hallmarky, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it is quite sweet, and but not like. Sickly sweet? Yeah, exactly. Not like, I have a toothache sweet. Yeah, yeah, So, I quite enjoyed this one, and I was just looking at my friends on Goodreads who had read it, and I saw some other people enjoyed it, whose opinions I trust. And a co-worker, actually, I had forgotten that I had written a review for this book in the catalog, library catalog, and one of my co-workers was like, hey, I just read this book, and you reviewed it, and said it was good. And it was, and I was like... <laughs> and you're like, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Because I was like, I don't <laughs> Good job, past me. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't remember writing that, but I'm glad you enjoyed the book. <laughs> So that's why it was fresh in my mind. So that was one I would suggest. So the title of that one is Dinner with Edward, and it's by Isabel Vincent. So we will, of course, link. Yeah, we'll put do... all these titles and authors in the show notes. Yeah. So that's the first one, and that's memoir. That's a very wide genre. There's lots of different things that go on during memoir, but I wanted to start with that because I feel like that's the gateway drug for most people, is they start with memoir. Mm-hmm. So from memoir, you can also get like hybrids. So, like, you said that you liked cookbooks. Yes. And, like, looking through cookbooks yeah. and decorating books and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Those are, like, the coffee table books are an easy way for people to get in. People like to pick up the decorating books. Yes, because they like the books with the high. At least I like the books with all the pretty pictures of... Exactly. Who doesn't <laughs> like that? different fancy rooms and houses. Yeah, <laughs> or, like, nice-looking food. Yeah. So, look for books that are, like, a memoir-cookbook hybrid. Oh, okay. Or, yeah, like, yeah. a memoir-decorating hybrid. So, like, the book I picked, I picked a memoir cookbook hybrid. I haven't read it, but it was very popular. It's called Feeding My Mother, and it's by Jan Arden. It was super popular when it came yes. out at the library. It's relatively, oh, 2017 it's from. So, this is about, uh, it's, like, part cookbook and part how Jan deals with her mother who has Alzheimer's. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, it's part about someone's life, but it's also has some of those cookbook elements, like with recipes and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I haven't read this one, so I can't give it my stamp of approval, but I wanted to kind of put it out there as something that's one of those memoir hybrids. 
even if mm-hmm. memoir scares you, go go for a memoir hybrid because those are a lot easier to get into. Because it's part like here's how to do something and part here's memoir. Some, like, about it and yeah okay so it's like what you hate to see in a blog post on the internet <laughs> when you're looking for a recipe like the whole description about someone's life look for that in a book because oh, in a yeah. book you're like you want to read it whereas if you see it on someone's blog you're like oh skip 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 i just want to get to the recipe right so if that makes any sense <laughs> so go in for the hybrid the next kind of common genre in nonfiction is self-help everybody mm, knows yes this. you go into chapters or indigo as they call it now and it's all you see, like, yeah. in the nonfiction section. It's mostly self-help. And people give it a bad rap, but there is nothing wrong with a self-help book. Okay. I think you have to be aware of, like, the hokey ones that are like, listen to your inner goddess. Like, get, no, don't go for those ones. But there are some really good stuff uh, about, like, inspiring better ways to live. Oh, uh, okay. Because I, when I hear self-help, I always think of, the, like, five steps to find love or yeah. like the... <laughs> yeah are like slim down in two days yes <laughs> yeah so you can read those if you want but that's not what i'm talking about here okay i'm talking about books that help you live an improved life lifestyle oh, okay so i really like these are like probably the majority of nonfiction that i read is books on like time management and productivity and all that kind of stuff it fits in a lot to because I'm a writer, it fits mm. in a lot to that part of my interest. Um, and But I think it applies to other people, too, who feel like they're too busy or things yes. like that. And I think that's something everybody feels. Well, everyone always thinks, oh, I can be bettering my life somehow. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And these are actually, like, concrete ways. Okay. So the book I want to present to you in this genre is Better Than Before, Mastering the Habits of Our Everyday Lives. It's by Gretchen Rubin. Okay. I listened to this book on audiobook two summers ago, I think. Really, really, really enjoyed it. Some really solid advice. And the reason why I bring this up is because I think this is an easy way also to get into it because you feel like you're getting something out of it. Because mm. one of the big things people want to get from nonfiction is they want to feel like they've learned something or their life has been enriched. Right. It's why you read nonfiction. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to feel like your life has been enriched when you're reading that book about ancient Egyptian tales. <laughs> That's why I chose something like this. And this book in particular is very practical. Okay. So you want to find the books that aren't all about philosophy, but also offer offer practical tips. Right. So in this one, she talks about like how she tried different habits, and how they um how they changed her life and different things she like. Okay. She said this didn't work. This worked. Lots of practical tips in there, and I'm like <laughs> flailing around trying to find a good example, but I can't remember any. <laughs> I just remember that they were practical. Um, and there's another book. I think maybe she references it in her book, and then I went and read it after. But it's about, basically the idea was that they, this person was like, the best way to figure out how much time you have in your week is to record what you're doing every minute of the day. Wow. And that sounds super intense, but you do it in like half hour increments. Oh, okay. So it's not like 12.01, I did this. No. 12.02. No, 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 not like that at all. It's like you, and you, you don't alter your lifestyle. You mm. just live your normal life, but you write it down. Because it's like, it's not accurate if you're like, okay, well, I know I'm writing it down, so I'm going to be super productive. It's like, just live how you normally live and write it down. And it's like in half hour blocks. So if it's like you look at your week and see, oh, I spent 12 hours checking email this week. Then you can start to build on getting, dealing with some of those time zones. Stuff like that. Like, that's very practical. Like, Mm -hmm. when I had read it, I started keeping track on my phone for a couple of days. Like, oh, I spent this long on the bus and I spent this long making dinner. Songs scrolling through Twitter or exactly, Instagram. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then, but then I got to know, like, okay, so it usually takes me an hour and a half to make dinner. 
So I need to give myself that time. Right. Those types of self-help books that are practical and give you tips and, like, solutions and lifestyle changes mm-hmm. versus just, like, just think this way. Yeah, You know, yeah, like, yeah. the stuff that's, like, hokey that is, doesn't have any meat to it. Right. Now, would um, the, the life-changing magic of tidying up fit into this I think column? so. I think so because it's practical, right? Right, right. It's like, pick up the item and does it give you joy? And, like, we can talk about how hokey that is, too. But it is, like, a practical method, which I think is why it took off, right? Yeah. Because people can do it. Mm-hmm. Like, Marie Kondoing is a verb, right? Right. Like, oh, I Marie Kondoed my life today. <laughs> I think that's why this genre is so appealing. And it's also why it's an easy way to get into nonfiction. Right. Because it's immediate satisfaction. Mm. When you find the good ones. Yes. <laughs> okay, so the next genre I want to get into, is that's also an easy way to get into nonfiction, is... Fiction writers writing nonfiction. Mm. So usually this looks like a book of essays. Right. So the one I have pulled up here is Neil Gaiman's The View from the Cheap Seats. Oh, weren't we listening to this on the mm-hmm. in the car? Was that last summer we listened <laughs> to the audiobook of this? Yeah, yeah. I forced you to listen to this when we were driving somewhere. Yep. And this is Neil Gaiman, and he writes a bunch of essays on literary topics. I think in this book he also has a bunch of, like, uh, introductions he wrote for other books, mm-hmm. which we were less than impressed with just because we hadn't read a lot of the books. Yeah. But this is a good example of um, fiction authors writing nonfiction. So you know their voice, but it's nonfiction. It's about real topics. Right. Uh, and the other piece to this, too, is it's a book of essays. Mm. So essays are nice if you're trying to get into nonfiction because you can just read one and be done. Oh, that's nice. And it's like you can read uh, one essay and you can go read the next one. Like, and they're all their own little thing. Okay. So instead of having to read this 300-page book, you could read this 50-page essay. Right. Or 20 pages or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit easier the bite sizes because you feel like you've accomplished something. Right. Um, but going back to the idea of the, like, literary essay, if you will, I don't even know if that's the right way to describe it, but the essay is about reading and writing and stuff like mm-hmm. that. You already like reading, probably. Like, you can get on board with what they're talking about, and it tends to be personal... And sometimes, too, it's, like, a behind-the-scenes oh, okay. of how they write, which people are tend to be interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, Ursula K. Le Guin has a book. I'm not sure what it's called. I can't remember. It's got a blue cover, though. <laughs> uh, of similar type things. Doesn't Stephen King have his on writing? Oh, yeah, on, on writing. writing. See, like, depending on what your interest is, sometimes the books, like Stephen King's on writing, that book is about writing. It is about, like, his life. It's kind of got that memoir vibe to it. But it's not really, like, a book of essays. Okay. I'm not the... It does sort of fit in this genre. You can see how they all kind of mix in with each other. Mm -hmm. If you're not interested in creative writing, then, like, stay away from those ones. These ones, like, where they're just talking about reading in general, those can be good ways in because you already... Like, it's something you're already interested in. So the books of essays are really good. And they're quite readable. Snack size reading. (laughs) The next genre that I want to talk about is the kind of half research, half memoir. Okay. So this is like what I would say is really going to bridge you into reading those like fact, fact books. The one I have here is called This Is Where You Belong by Melanie Warnick. I loved this book. I remember you talking about this book. Yeah. It was so good. The subheading for the book is The Art and Science of Loving the Place You Live. So it's all about how she moved to a new town because of her husband's job and she just decided she wasn't going to be upset about leaving her other, her old house. She was going to make it, she was going to learn to love the town mm. 
regardless of how she felt initially. So she goes through all these different ways, how to love where you live. But the other piece of this book is, so it's, it's based on her personal experience is like the jump, jumping board for her. But then it does like a bunch of research and like case studies where she looks at other people and how people make community and build mm. community. So this book was like, you get the arc of her life and her, yeah, yeah, yeah. her, her journey. journey with it. But then in between you get all these little like paper, if you will, like, okay. So more like studies, research. Yeah. Like, like yeah. there's different little pieces in there and it's like, cause the art, the art and science. Right. So I would say like the art is her personal experience and the science is like her research she did for the book. So these are like, if you want to get into reading the more fact fact nonfiction books, these are good in between books. Okay. Like, cause some memoirs are solely about the person's experience and you get these ones that are more to do with like, they do research for it. Mm-hmm. So this is a good, I would say, introduction if you want to eventually get into that factual place. oh okay yeah, yeah so and this is also just a really good book she has some really good things to say about how to choose where you live and building community despite mm-hmm. your circumstances i think i read that one just as we were moving to our first apartment oh how perfect yeah it was so great it definitely changed my outlook on where we lived so it's called this is where you belong by melody warwick a lot of what we've been talking about falls into creative nonfiction, mm-hmm. but this is like capital C creative nonfiction, <laughs> okay. if you will. So this is what I did my directive study in when I was in university. So the way you define creative nonfiction is like nonfiction written with literary devices, if you will, okay. or literary style. Mm, okay. So like you might see nonfiction with dialogue in it. Okay, I see. I see what you mean. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm probably not doing the term justice. Look it up if you want to get a proper definition. Did you do a whole? I did, but it's hard to explain, okay? (laughs) So, like, because some of the memoir falls within creative nonfiction for sure. But, like, I would say the memoir, like, that gets to be more, like, when you read something, like, wow, that was artsy. Like, Mm. you're probably reading creative nonfiction. And it does some really cool stuff, and it does some really cool, like, genre bending stuff okay so i chose a book that i read for my creative nonfiction class to present to you the book is called hanous and it's by rachel Leibowitz. so this is a biography well biography is not the right word what did she say she says something good in the back it says hanous is a creative biography of ida hanous a finnish canadian suffragist and socialist living in vancouver so this is not a traditional biography. It's not consecutive. It's more poetry. Oh, I like poetry. Yeah. So it's, um, I'm just flipping through it now. If you hear the pages turning on the podcast, lots and lots of poetry in this book, but the poetry is telling her story. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And there's photographs in here and, um, there's a family tree at the beginning, but it's a selective family tree. Ooh. So it's like you have to wonder what was left out. Mm-hmm. But you see how this is like an interpretation of the facts. Yes. So like some of my friends make fun of me for using the term emotional truth. <laughs> yes. But I think it really applies to the creative nonfiction genre. And it's also the reason why I bring up the genre is because this is close to fiction. Like some of the elements used are what we're used to seeing in fiction. Mm -hmm. So, like, I sometimes will write a personal essay 
And yeah. I would consider that like creative yeah. nonfiction. Okay. Because a lot of times my personal essays have scenes in them. Mm-hmm. Like they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They have dialogue and description. And if you didn't know better, it could you could think you're reading fiction. fiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it gets into like the whole ethical discussion of like <laughs> what is truth and yeah. is truth the same to everybody and like can you call this nonfiction? What is fiction? Like, you know the whole discussion with, like, James Frey. I was going to say, our does fry... this fall into the a million little pieces? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Where he was like, it was fabricated, but was it really? Like, is yeah. that just your emotional truth? And, like, it's pretty common to change people's names. And, like, that's pretty widely accepted. That's fine. Yeah. For creative nonfiction. But, like, when you start changing events, it's like, mm. there's all this, like... Can I be even qualify as a non-fiction book or is it like a novel exactly so that's where that discussion comes in so people might not know how to label it but this is good for you people who don't like reading non-fiction because it's a good way in Mm -hmm. so it's it's how i got into a lot of it like joan didion is another one i was gonna mention i'm not the biggest fan of joan didion i read uh blue nights by her Mm -hmm. also that would fit into what i would call misery memoir (laughs) which is memoir that is very sad obviously. How do I feel about Joan Didion? I respect Joan Didion, but it's a very privileged voice. Mm. And like, I found that a little difficult to relate to. But hers is very, like, it's memoir, but it's very thematic. Because it's all about how, like, her daughter died and her husband died. Mm -hmm. So this book is about her relationship with her daughter, sort of. But time jumps all over the place. And there's like certain threads that keep coming up again fragmented is how right. I would say. So it's not, like, because some memoir is close to biography, and some memoir is closer to, like, creative nonfiction, if you will. Right. It's very hard to pin down, and I'm probably not doing it justice, but you get the idea, right? Yeah, yeah, I understand. Like, that it's this artistic take on right. truth. Yes, it is a truth, but you're just sometimes... Like, it still falls into nonfiction, yeah. because it's based on real life, but it's interpreted and presented through all these literary ways. Right. So, like, Hanus is a great example. Hanus, I would say, is a very far example. Like, it's getting more to poetry than nonfiction. Right. But stuff like Blue Nights, that's solidly in the creative nonfiction genre. Um, I also read uh, Lifespan of a Fact by somebody I can't remember his name. (laughs) (laughs) And basically how that was, it was like an essay this guy wrote for a magazine and then around it on the page like on the borders it was all the like marginalia so like it was him discussing with a fact checker what was real and what wasn't real oh cool so it's like kind of meta yeah. with like the whole creative nonfiction discussion but he talks about how uh he'll the fact checker will be like i looked this up and this place isn't actually what you said and he'll be like no i decided to change that mm. for this reason so uh it's lifespan of a fact if you're interested, that gives kind of, if you're interested in like the philosophical debate of nonfiction versus fiction and all that, it might, might be worth a read. So those are a few of the books. Um, sometimes too, like poetry is one of those things. Yeah, I was going to like ask about poetry because I enjoy a good Yeah, poetry, poetry is in the nonfiction section. I was actually thinking about this the other day. Is poetry under fiction or nonfiction? But poetry in the library is under nonfiction. Yes. But when you look at, like, literary contests and stuff, it's never, like, fiction. And poetry is never under fiction. It's always its own thing. Right. Always, like, exists outside Sorry, of fiction, fiction or nonfiction, nonfiction labels. 
But, like, I would say, like, I mean, I'm not a poet, <laughs> but I took a class on writing poetry and I wrote some poetry. And, like, I feel like the poetry I wrote, not all of it, but a lot of it was creative nonfiction-y. Yeah. Because it's, like, it was about my life. And, and for this final project I did for this creative nonfiction class that I took, I wrote something that was, like, kind of prose poetry, mm-hmm. that in-between. And I would solidly consider that creative nonfiction. But if you're looking at that, you might be like, oh, well, that's poetry. I see. Okay. So, but that being said, poetry is another good way in. It's yeah. super quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can handle, like, the, I don't know what this means, <laughs> then um, go in for poetry. Yeah. So, but if you're kind of a no-nonsense person, don't maybe start don't with poetry. Start poetry. <laughs> <laughs> like, do read poetry, but maybe don't start your nonfiction journey with poetry. Yeah, yeah. I should not be talking about poetry. I can't do it justice. <laughs> Yeah, so that was a bit of a crash course in how I would approach nonfiction in ways that you might not think of mm. when you first think of it. Places to head to in the stacks or to ask your librarian to help you find. Yeah. Do you feel like that was a good introduction? Yeah, I definitely think so. It, I learned some things that I maybe I knew them, but I didn't really connect the pieces yeah. in my mind about how to think about nonfiction. Yeah, well, because a lot of times people just think, oh, I just go there for, like, my travel guide or, like... Yeah, my cookbook or my... Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, your instructional manual. That's a whole right. other part of the nonfiction section. But there is a lot more there than that, mm-hmm. which we have discussed. Okay, I feel like we... I have learned a lot about nonfiction. Yeah, so, like, out of all the ones we just talked about, what do you think... Which ones do you think you would head down first? Like, which avenues that we kind of brought up? Um, I feel like... Like the easy answer for me to say would be like a memoir. Yeah. But I feel like if but I you was, feel like I feel like you've already been down. I've that. Yeah, which is why <laughs> the, the cop out or the like yeah. the one. I feel like I would maybe want to try and venture into like the self improvement mm-hmm. vein because I haven't really tried those tried that in a very, very long time and actually Yeah. And I feel like there are some super good ones and I always feel like super motivated to do stuff after mm-hmm. I listen to them or read them. Which is why I liked it. Because I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, I can make have a great life and write all the time and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> super productive and super... Yeah. yeah. Those ones I think are... I think that's a good choice for you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you need lots of self-help. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> we better... Uh, wrap this up. Yeah, I was going to say, better wrap this up before it gets vicious on the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> if you have enjoyed listening to this episode or you have any thoughts about the nonfiction genre... Or any book recommendations you want to give us that you think we should read next. Yeah, we really just scratched the surface of yeah, the Yeah, yeah, Please let us know. And you can do that by contacting us on Twitter at LibraryLifePod, Instagram at LibraryLifePod, or you can send us an email at LibraryLifePodcast at gmail.com. Yes. And, and the last episode we talked about the question and answer episode yes. that's going to be upcoming. Keep your eyes open on social media for a post about that. And you can also leave us a message on the Anchor app, like a voice message. So by the time this episode goes out, there will likely be a post asking for your questions. If you know us in real life, just let us know in real life. Yeah, just talk to us. (laughs) Yeah, because we want to build up some good content for that episode. Yes. This concludes episode 12 of Library Life. May the good books be long and the bad books be short. Until next time.